Welcome back, everybody. This is your Anime DGEN's Weekly Rundown 46. Let's get it. Well, thanks for joining us again, guys. Uh, before we get started here, I'd like to say go rate us all on your favorite uh, podcast platforms. If you have questions for us that you'd like us to talk about, uh, for One Piece, JJK, uh, Ronnie Kenshin, Frere Undead Unluck, just let us know. Maybe we'll include it in the episode. Uh, but for now, Dan, I heard you went on a ski trip this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I went and uh, rode some snowboards. It was a good time. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. Okay, he's not a he's not a skier. He's a snowboarder. Yeah, oh. I'm, uh, my legs are very uh, very sore right now. Got you, got you. I can I can only imagine, bro. Yeah, a couple days, a couple days on the mountain, they'll be good again. <laughs> Was this the first trip of the year, then? Uh first one to like a real mountain. Like we we went okay, last weekend, okay. we went to a really small mountain. So like the runs were short, and you didn't really get that full, you know, like long trail experience so uh yeah a lot of carving did a lot of a lot of a lot of uh vertical all right all right so uh, a little sore what uh <laughs> what keeps you away from like skiing over snowboarding just like uh, that skiing is for nerds no no i've snowboarded <laughs> since i was like 10 <laughs> so like why the hell would i go learn a new thing when i know how to go down a mountain on a snowboard it's, I guess snowboarding That's is fair. probably kind of easier, right, than skiing because you ain't got to like move your legs. No, weird, like skiing you know? is way easier than snowboarding. Think so? Um, the consensus is is that like skiing is harder to get really good at, but easier to learn. Okay. Uh-oh. And snowboarding is harder to learn, but easier to get really good at. Okay. Uh, uh, I, like, see. I see. Once you learn how to carve on a snowboard, the only thing stopping you is balls. But like you. skiing, you got to learn how to like really link your turns and stuff. So that's why I always, you ski I always assume like like the legs, you know, like you you have to like keep them. It would be hard to learn how to use your legs right to keep yourself from falling or doing the splits or something. You know what I mean? No, it's not hard to do that at all. It's it's like ice skating. If you can ice skate, you can ski. Well, I can't ski either, so I mess up. I guess I'd be <laughs> fucked. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, are we ready? Well, in this episode, guys, let me back up a little bit. We'll be going over Undead Unluck episode 11, Freerin episode 15, Roroni Kenshin episode 24, Jujutsu Kaisen episode 21, a banger, by the way, uh, and One Piece episode 1088. Uh, and just to put you guys on radar, we will be skipping the filler that's coming up for One Piece. That will be episode 1089. Fuck Momo. I'm done with him. I'm done with him. I've, I've seen the last of his tears and I'm happy about it. We left Wano. We left him behind and they're pulling us back in, boys. Bullshit. Not me, though. Not me, though. We're on the bigger it. and better things. I'll watch it. You know, it's not like it's like a recap episode. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But awesome, let's get into it. So we're going to start with Undead Unluck, episode 11, 
Rio de Janeiro. Andy, Fuko, and Tatiana are on a sting operation to recover an unfortunate negator from the clutches of unrepair. Our dynamic duo has to get stupid fly, boys. We're going to a fancy party. Yes, sir. I love that. <laughs> so this episode takes us to a very, like, uncharted territory in anime, I feel like. I don't think I've ever seen an anime where we end up in South America. Not a once. Not <laughs> so, a once. I mean, so the, like, first, uh, the first we got of Africa, I think, is in JJK. No, Miguel. There's, I haven't. There's some really? Gundam. There's some Gundam. Where oh they have, yeah, like, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. We got one of those like elevators to this to space in Africa. That is right. Yeah. Well, yeah. didn't Attack on Titan go there too? Like in Dan's like little thing about Madagascar. Oh yeah, I mean. Oh shit! What a call. You're right. You're right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, dude. Paradise Island, just Madagascar. Right. Right. I, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. <laughs> but so Andy and Foucault are in Rio de Janeiro, which is in Brazil, if you didn't know. And they're on the hunt for unrepair. And Hui Juiz has been able to locate a black market auction that's going to sell off a negator. And that shit is fucked, boys. Yeah, like the underworld, like a real underworld is is that's not great. <laughs> no, we're we're back to slavery. Um, they're gonna human trafficking. Out. Yeah, yeah, this is getting kind of deep. It is, but this auction is a pretty fancy affair. You know, they're on like a cruise ship. Like this is pretty legit. And uh, to fit in, they gotta look stupid fly. So we start the episode off with some shopping, and Andy. Is wearing a white tux, looking like a fucking stud. He's he always looking like that. a stud, bro. Always. Yeah. yeah, he even made a uh, Fuko blush. Yeah, he was he was looking pretty clean though, for real. I just love it. Fuko's like, damn, you got some long legs, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. <sighs> oh, but so after that. You know, they do their shopping. <laughs> Fuko, did Fuko get a dress or did we go on the walk first? I can't remember. I believe we uh, went on the walk first. All right, bet, bet, bet. So they go to the hotel, they have their luggage taken up, and Andy and Fuko go on a little walk. Fuko looks really uncomfortable at this hotel just because there's people everywhere. And well, she doesn't like people because if she touches them, they die. So I kind of get that. That's fair. Get that. It, it's fun this episode i really enjoyed because this is the first time we got to see so many uh unrelated people in an episode of undead unluck right yeah i mean like going back to really like you have to go back to like the first episode to have like a lot of bystanders around and then i mean when they went to the town in um i think it was nevada when they went to like Go get the UMA. Like zombies. everybody was already a zombie except for like three kids. So yeah, it's been a while since we've seen some uh alive extras. Some bystanders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so they go on this walk, and Andy asks, he's like, When am I gonna get some? Because you gave some to Victor, and that shit ain't fair. And she he starts like chasing her down, and she's panicking, running away. <laughs> and her and Clothy kind of team up for a little tag team unluck attack. 
and he jumps at her and and andy's like i'm full armor mode right now i got clothes on and fuko gets hooked up by clothy who just like opens up his shirt basically because you know uh andy wears like a uma's clothes weird as fuck <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and she just gives him the double palm to the chest and not even 10 seconds later, a fucking Mack truck comes out of nowhere and just blows him into the ocean. He proceeds to get eaten by a shark with a little combo breaker attack. What would you guys think of that? <laughs> I didn't know like she had like a little combo move she could pull off. And I don't think she did either. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I think like the, the card while we were watching it said like she can do combo styles with like low pay, uh, potency. Uh, unlock y'all think she'll be able to do it with higher potency stuff like later i mean a meteor shower is kind of a combo attack right i mean i guess you could say it's one event but yeah combo hits for sure that's a lot of meteors dude (laughs) yes and i thought clothing was dumb as hell for like helping her out right here (laughs) go for it yeah he said he said am i gonna get hurt too i'm like bro you that stupid no shit you are bro you're on his body i was cracking up and then fuko was like oh i got to apologize to chloe i'll buy him some yarn and it just so showed like the tie sucking down yarn i was like what the fuck are we watching right now dude it was getting mad weird there for a second it's like ramen bro <laughs> yeah, and I, I didn't uh, think Andy was asking for a kiss when he says, when, I'm, when am I going to get some? No, I thought he was asking for a little something, something. Yeah, me too, man. <laughs> he, just, he just wants some action, bro. That's it. Just a little bit, apparently. Can't blame him. <laughs> Can't blame him. <laughs> but so after the shark attack and truck attack and, I mean, truck coon, shark coon, everybody was here with, with, the, with some, uh, some fisticuffs. Andy's kind of lying on the beach with no legs, no pants, no problem, just taking in the waves. And it gets a little deep here. And he's kind of talking about how he doesn't know who he or Victor is. And he says that he might not even be the original. Like he has no memory of his childhood, things like that. And I mean, I'm hoping Andy's the original. I don't know, though. Like, I think Victor should be the original. That makes way more sense. But I'm also Andy. Well, yeah, I mean, Victor is like full power mode, you know, and like Andy seems like, like it's like a split personality thing. He's kind of like suppressing his inner literal god, you know. Okay. Well, I was thinking the opposite. Maybe uh, Andy like kind of protected his psyche while he's being trained as a military person, and Victor came out instead. But either way, I hope Andy's the real person. But yeah. I'm thinking he's not because he doesn't know who he or Victor is. And Victor seems to have a pretty good idea about it. You know what could be interesting? If we actually have more than just Victor and Andy in there. And we get to see that later, probably. Like childhood, be- Andy? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I think it's, there's a movie. I think it's called Split. And it's about a guy with multiple personality disorder. Yeah. And it's fucking nuts, dude. This guy's got like 15, 20 people in his head. I'm hoping yeah, I mean, we don't get that with Andy. That'd be too much. Is that the one what? with Samuel L. Jackson in the wheelchair? Is that a different one? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Okay. Never mind. It's been a while since this came out, right? The, yeah, it's been a minute. The, the one I'm thinking about. 
whatever Dan just said, 99 personalities or whatever. It would help if we remember the name of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably like something stupid, like 99, honestly. Yeah, but let's get back to it. Um, So after this little heart to heart, um, accidentally, of course, um, Fuko helps Andy up and skin to skin contact. We're going to get another stroke of unlock. And what happened next really surprised me. I thought we were going to get like a shark jumping out of the water or something and biting him. No, Tatiana just falls out of the sky and uses him as a landing pad. And I was cracking up, dude. I was like, holy shit, you just got hit by a literal steel ball from like, who knows how high. (laughs) And it was even funnier because like Tatiana was like, yo, how did I get here? I'm in the right place, I guess. But yeah, I was trying to go somewhere else. I thought it was hilarious. I I had my destination set at the port and um, I'm not sure what happened. (laughs) Well, Fuko happened. That's what happened. Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) And I, I want to see who Tatiana is inside of that little still ball. That would be cool. Yeah, I'm, we need I'm to a, see that. I'm assuming, like, listening to her voice, it's probably like a little girl or something. It would also make sense why you would put her inside of a still ball. Yeah. So, yeah, y'all actually think it's like a person in there? Yeah. 100%. Okay. Yeah, this is a mecha anime, dude. True. True. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even try to fight it this time. You're willing them down. Just hey, like I, Attack on Titan. I, I enjoyed this mecha anime, so. Progress. Mm. Mm. Yeah, we're making progress over here. So after that, Tatiana lets Fuko and Andy know that they're undercover as a married couple. And this has Fuko kind of wilding out. She ain't ready for that. And um <laughs> I was cracking up, dude. I'm sorry. This this episode was just really fun. <laughs> it was. I was laughing yeah. several times. <laughs> yeah, and I thought it was pretty interesting how Juiz was like, yeah, I'm sending you on this mission because, one, I, I need you to develop a relationship with Andy, like, flat out. So she's invested now, too. Um, but also that, like, they want her powers to develop, like, and I think we're starting to see that with like some of like the combo moves and things like that. I think she's just going to learn more about her power. And that'll be really cool to see. Yeah, definitely. I mean, learning how to control unlock would be like, I mean, Juiz literally was like, you can defeat God with your ability if you can figure out how to control it. So this shit broken. Oh, it's 100% broken. I mean, low, low key, Fuko has been carrying uh, Andy. Because he doesn't have all his moves. He's not that. He's a good fighter, obviously, but not great. But it, they defeat everybody with Fuko. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's been the whole plot of the show, basically. And so after that, they go on this cruise ship and we see Andy and Fuko get in undercover, looking good. Fuko's got a nice dress on. You know, she got gloves on too. That was a smart play. Yes. All the <laughs> way up to her arm, uh, all the way up her arm too. Very smart. And they infiltrate this auction, and I was, like, kind of disgusted by the people who were there, like, overhearing some of the conversations that they heard. I was like, yo, this shit's actually fucked. Yeah, and I, I liked it how Andy um stepped in because he knew that Fuko was hearing the same shit, and he's like, you know, you know, it, it'll be okay. Um, Just don't let it get to you. Remember who you are. So I thought that was a pretty cool scene from Andy. Stepping in, taking charge. Yeah, definitely. I mean, kind of keep her grounded. And 
one thing I overheard, they were talking about like a UMA or a negator or something. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to eat them. I'm like, what the fuck? That shit was wild. <laughs> I didn't know how hard they were going to like lean into like this underground auction type type thing. And them saying that they're going to eat a, a person. It was a negator, too. It wasn't a UMA. It was a negator. And well, they had eaten negators before because they were talking about how it tastes. Disgusting. Weird as hell. Yeah. Eating people, dude. So was they was they one to eat the negator or whatever that was on sale at the auction? Uh, they was gonna buy it and eat it. Is that what they was talking about? You think? Yeah. No. Well, so they said that they hadn't found a good use for one they bought in the past, so they were gonna eat it. Oh. And I was like, hmm. damn. Interesting. Okay. Be useful or get eaten is wild. <laughs> yeah. Fucking nuts. And, you know, after that, you know, Andy kind of finds a more quiet place for them to go sit down and talk. And they're kind of talking about, you know, the choices negators have on how to live their lives. And, you know, they he, Andy brings up three choices, which is what he thought they had. Acceptance of leading their life, despair and choosing death and doubling down on a life of crime. But he realized that there was a fourth one, and that was joining the union and trying to kill God. So that's a, that's a lofty a, goal. That's a lofty goal, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and they also got into so they're saying that um, they overheard that negators were easier to find nowadays, which is weird. But they went into it a little bit, and it's after the unificational language that didn't affect negators. So there's all these random people who are just speaking oh. un ununderstood tongues because they're speaking their native language because they weren't affected by this rule change. Oh, that sucks, man. See, I didn't they, even think they, about that. Yeah, they said that in the show, and I didn't really understand what they was talking about, but what you just said like makes me understand um, that they're the only ones that didn't like convert to English, and that makes so much more sense now. Yeah, I was wondering why they were speaking different languages, but yeah, the fact that they weren't affected. Um, and I wonder why, too. It seems odd. Uh, from what I understand, the rule changes just don't affect negators. Okay. Oh. All right. Simple <laughs> Sounds enough. good to be. Yeah. yeah, simple enough, right? <laughs> so the episode ends and we finally see Unrepair and he's walking with a total baddie. Total baddie. And they go up on the deck of the ship and there's two security guards basically saying, like, you guys need to go back to the party. And he's like, bro, I just want to show my girl the stars. Like, come on, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to riz her up right here. And the security <laughs> guard pulls a gun on Unrepair. And it was really interesting because he, I can't remember her name, but he asked his date, who is like part of his group. Like, am I going to die here? And she had like a fortune, like fortune teller ball. So we're about to get some really weird shit with this girl. But she's like, am I going to die? And she's like, yeah, you're going to get shot in the head. And Unrepair goes demon mode and just slices these two guys' throats up with a scalpel. And they can't stop the bleeding and they die. And two more people. Uh, one was named Rip and the other had a Chinese name that I could not, I cannot pronounce. I could not read it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to talk about like the, the two guards that got like uh, KIA'd. And not only like, was the bleeding not stopping... They couldn't even go to like put pressure on their necks. And I thought that was an interesting thing to include. I thought it would just unrepair would, you know, 
make you keep bleeding. But I think he can actually stop you from helping yourself or from people helping you when you're hurt, too. I mean, that would follow the rule of you can't repair yourself. So, yeah, it, but like in, in any way, that is that's very, very scary. I mean, what what if it was actually the woman that he was with that didn't let them uh, try to raise their hands up? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. it could be. I don't, I don't. We don't really know what her power is other than like fortune telling. I don't know what she's negating there, though. But even like with the fortune telling, it was wrong, you know? And uh, I think uh, they say the two people that came up also said that she's been wrong in the past uh, tellings too. So true, true. It just makes me wonder if that's like some kind of gag or like some kind of like, I don't know, bullshit that she's doing, but she's actually something else. You know what I mean? Maybe. And she could not, she could even not be a negator. You know, she could just be like, some babe, <laughs> some evil babe, <laughs> or very <True>. analytical. <laughs> some evil babe, dude. I don't know. But so to end the episode, we kind of learn that the other negator group, so this is on repairs group, is driven by vengeance and will dispose of negators that can't be helpful to them. And I thought this was interesting because both the union and this other group, the negator hunters, both kill people who aren't useful. But Foucault points out that like these ones are kill or the negator hunters are killing people who are not useful to their cause, which is basically just wreaking havoc on the world. And the union is killing people who are dangerous to the world. So she says there's a big difference and they gear up to go fight these guys. And I think next episode is going to end with a banger. Oh, for sure. This is going to be a pretty fun fight, I think. A little mid-season finale action. Yeah, we we know we're fixing to get some heat because it is the mid-season finale thing, so. We should get a new theme song, too. Or a new opening next. Not Ooh. next episode, after that. Ooh, la la. Love that. Well, uh, I guess if we're done with uh, that one, y'all want to get on to some Freerun? Let's do it. Hell yeah. All right, Freerun episode 15, Smells Like Trouble. During this episode, Sion gets to show off some of his talents against curses. And Stark is needed to help bring in some much-needed funds for our adventures. And basically, this episode starts with Sion asking the crew how long they've been traveling together. Fern, Fern answers four years, and Stark says one. But does does it actually feel like Fern's been with Furin for four years or longer, in y'all's opinion? I genuinely thought that Furin had wasted at least 10 years of Fern's life. <laughs> I genuinely thought that. I thought um, thought Fern was like super, super young, like a toddler or just older than a toddler when she met uh, Furin. So four years surprised me a lot. Yeah, it definitely feels like longer. Um, and I, I think if we... If we pay more attention to, because they always put the um the timestamps or whatever in the top right, and I never pay attention to it though. But I feel like they do that to help us uh figure out the time jumps, you know. But I just don't keep up with it. Yeah, I don't care when Himmel died. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I was gonna say like I'm not sure if this is like four years of knowing in or if it's like four years of adventuring with her that's what i was about to say is because she spent three years deciphering that that grimoire that uh high tier had so they've known each other for seven but they've only been adventuring for four 
Yeah, well, they, he asked he asked them how long they've been traveling together. So yeah, so that makes sense. Why well, yeah. I thought it felt like a little longer. It, it doesn't feel like they've been. It doesn't feel like Stark has been there for a year though. Uh, that's crazy that Stark's been there for a year already. So well, they, I mean, we we had like what six months at least of like off screen time when they were in that that, that cabin in the winter. Oh, uh, true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I think they do a really good job with it. So um, they're pushing it. Yeah, yeah, they're pushing it along pretty quick. Um, but after that, the gang uh, stumbles into a new town uh, where everyone is sleeping, and they Freeran comes in. She's like, "This is a curse. This is the work of a curse," and it's then revealed to be magic that humanity can't explain the inner workings of, and that's why it's called curses. Um. Typically, like priests are resistant to this type of magic because they use the magic of the goddess, which is written like in the sculptures, and uh, the humanity doesn't really fully understand it. Um, but for some reason, it works on the curses and stuff. Whereas mages like Freeran can't do anything about curses like that. Um, so this like ties into like the backstory of how priests are different than mages and why Farron can't do anything with uh, curses like this. And, um, which is like a key piece of this show, I believe. So did all this make sense to y'all when it started happening? Yeah. I like that they finally explained it because for a long time I was trying to figure out like what makes a priest different than a mage. Um, because they both use my magic there. They, they put an emphasis on mana. So like I thought they were maybe the same thing or maybe priests were just healers. But the fact, the fact that they have like their own like magic, I guess like trees makes a lot more sense now. Sign has the power of God and anime on his side. <laughs> Attaboy, Dan, you got it. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what I really like about this uh, type of scene right here is that even though Freeran is like OP, like this, this kind of shows that she can't um, do everything by herself. Still, she still needs other people to help her. Just like she needs like a frontliner to give her time to do her work on some things, and like she needs a priest to cover her ass in these situations. And so, I really like that this is the way the show is kind of nerfing her. It feels like does that does that check out for y'all? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say nerfing. I don't feel like that's the right word. But like when oh, you yeah. play like like if you play Dungeons and Dragons, I mean, this is basically just like a and d anime almost where you have a party and you're trying to like make make it through the quest. Like everybody has their specialty and you can't be good at everything. So like, I don't want to say it's nerfing her, but it's just forming a well-rounded party, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's like categorizing her. And like a couple episodes ago, like I was wondering like why she couldn't do uh, what sign does as far as magic goes and the fact we know she's not religious so that makes perfect sense why she doesn't know any of these spells because she's not reading the bible or whatever they read over there the the bible <laughs> of the goddess excuse yeah. me yeah yeah, yeah yeah and frankly if freeran could do all this on her own like it'd be a really fun anime to watch just like her like just like rolling through villages and rolling over armies and shit that'd be badass it'd be fun yeah it would be fun to watch yeah but not um, as heartfelt <laughs> yeah it, it would be fun to see that um 
But the curses, uh, the curse that's going on in this uh, village, um, all take over. It takes over all the party one by one eventually, and they end up falling asleep. And Sign ends up having to fight the monster alone. Um, and it kind of looks like something out of Hell's Paradise, honestly. That's what I thought as soon as I seen it. Yo, it did look like a. I mean, it was a giant flower monster. It was yeah. a little less grotesque than what we've seen in Hell's Paradise, but <laughs> for uh, sure, it was like a Hell's Paradise light. You know, yeah. like for toddlers. <laughs> there was there was no like orgies of like flower monsters going on. E for everybody rated Hell's Paradise. Yes. Yeah. Um. And then uh. So, Fruin was Fruin before she went to sleep. She told him, you know, wake her up when he goes to fight. And so, and he, you know, we all know they only had five seconds to wake her. Uh, five seconds for her to be awake after she gets woken up. So he decides that it's time to wake her up, um, because he can't possibly defeat this monster by itself. And it seemed like. This part of the episode was to kind of prove us that Sign had a purpose in the group. Um, did the anime do a good job at proving this to us? And if so, how do you think? I don't want to uh, say it was to prove he had a purpose because, I mean, again, like kind of like everybody in the party has their strengths. And I think Sign does have good like attack capabilities with his magic, but this monster could, or this flower health paradise looking monster <laughs> thingy could like repel magic. So you had to be very, very powerful. And I really liked how he kind of like went with the flashback here where he was talking about what, um, you know, when he was a kid, he was kind of like studying under Heiter almost. And, you know, he told her about free Ren and was like, I just trusted her. You know, I could trust her like, and after kind of going back to that sign realized that like okay i need to trust her if hyder could why can't i and woke her up and freerun just went fucking ham dude yes <laughs> two seconds maybe before she killed it uh but to get back to your question tyler like i i definitely think this anime has been doing a good job of like immediately telling us what this character's purpose is in the group um we got that with fern we understand her dream and what she wants to do and then like the First or second episode with Stark, we saw him slay that dragon and how powerful he was. And then you get the same thing here with Sign. I think they're doing a good job of like just outlining right off the bat what these people are good at. That way we can kind of move quickly through the story. Like they've gotten a lot done in what is this, 11 episodes? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. 15 episodes. Yeah. They've yeah. gotten a lot done. They're like two thirds of the way there. So, like, or at least they're over halfway there. I mean, they're almost in like the top of like the middle part of the country so like they're kind of cruising you know yeah i mean it's it's been a year for like you said uh stark and then four years for burn and if i mean it's 15 episodes they're doing a great job look at one piece <laughs> 300 300 episodes hey, for two weeks <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh man I, I think i think also uh to go off of that um this really showed that he can trust Freerin. Like it showed his complete trust in Freerin and and this 
he's not been with him very long, so that that means a lot. I feel like for us to see that he does completely trust Furin and enough to make a very dangerous move like that, you know, um, as well as being able to handle himself because we we know that he probably would have been able to take care of it himself if it wasn't for the fact of reflecting the magic. So, uh, yeah, yeah, he was trying to get anybody hurt, and he's like. You know what? I'm gonna trust the the thousand year old elf on this one. That was pretty cool. Yeah. It was a cool moment. Yeah, he's a he's a badass too. So wouldn't expect anything less. And I, he's True. pretty smart in the battlefield. Honestly, he's quick yeah. on his you know feed. So because mm-hmm. yeah, he deduced that it reflects magic and what where and what the monster was very very quickly. So very impressive by him. Um, but then the gang after they defeated the monster, everybody woke up. All that good stuff. The gang traveled to Vorag, and Fern lets Furin know that they're nearly out of funds. Um, I think Bass was uh, talking about money at some point in time, was you not? During our watches? Yeah, it was was a few weeks ago at this point. I think it may may have been like five or six episodes, but I just didn't feel like money had tied too much into how they were getting around because they need to buy things and food. So I'm glad they finally brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you saying something about it. So it was interesting to actually see them bring it up. And, and this is actually an issue now um, all of a sudden because they have zero funds now. I think they had 20 whatever. They had four like, bronze coins. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, they were down to their last meals there. Okay. If everyone's like, what's that? <laughs> so I just got a spitball here. Do you guys think there's a bank in this world? Some sort of, yeah, sort of, you some would sort think of bank. So, so Freerun is like over a thousand years old, and I'm assuming they probably have interest at the bank, so she should be rolling in money. <laughs> Retirement right? plan go crazy. They should be loaded. <laughs> I'm sure they don't give the elves great rates, though. It's, because it's they like, live so long. It's like that episode of Futurama where Fry has 93 cents in his bank account in the year 1999, and he's like a billionaire in the future. Oh, yeah, that is right. <laughs> that is right. But it was, wasn't it also inflation actually made it to where he was still like kind of broke? <laughs> Details. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Furin, Furin is also the type of person I don't. It doesn't seem like she would uh, keep money in a bank, though. That's <laughs> because true. Because she blows it, you know? And she also doesn't work for money. She works for bucks. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. I, I Eventually, you know, the money has to run out at some point, right? And we're here now. The money has run out. So. Exactly. Money, I'm not your funny up for her. Come on. <laughs> I do. I do want to. We kind of skipped over it, but I do want to touch base on why Sign might be my favorite character in this show now, and it's because he just loves the older women. Yeah, like they Hell left. Yeah. They left this town, and he was just gushing over this this middle aged babe, <laughs> <laughs> and I felt for him. Hey, I mean, I kind of agree with him. I think he um, said something like, uh, "The only thing this party is missing." Is an older older chick or something like that, right? Yeah, my man's <laughs> looking for his silver fox, bro. Like, I don't blame him. Negative. <laughs> she better have some money too, based on what they need right now. <laughs> Sugar mama, <laughs> let's go. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, to getting back to uh, what's the funds and stuff. 
Uh, the reason why that's kind of important is that they actually get an offer for money. Um, they meet a lord of a village, I guess. Um, and he wants Stark to take his son's place um, as a stand-in uh, to be like a his fake son uh, to keep the morale high in the city. That way they can rebuild the city from a battle, I believe, or something to happen. Yeah, it was like a, a large-scale war that they're fighting. Yeah. And so uh, at this time of the story, did you actually think Stark could... Uh, actually be a reliable stand-in for a prince given the way he his personality is i honestly thought like the whole joke was going to be he was going to fuck this up and they were still going to need money <laughs> i really thought that bro, bro is just too goofy <laughs> dude i just love how dejected he looked during all this training like i have never seen such a sad looking anime character walk <laughs> <laughs> like he he couldn't even like hold himself up straight his arms were just dangling in front of him and he's just like swinging around while he walks looks like a freaking zombie <laughs> it was so fun yeah no, he looks like an engineer during during finals week in college it was a uh, it was depressing looking i've been there it is not fun <laughs> yeah i did that twice i was like never again i'm going to finance <laughs> um yeah and it's also revealed that lord odin's family ordens Orden's family was originally from the same region as Stark. And did we like how they tied in the reason that they look so similar to each other, Stark and uh, his son? Yeah, definitely. It would have been just really like a dumb, con like a dumb, convenient, like loophole, not loophole, but you know, just like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the right word. Like it would have just kind of coincidence. Been, like, too, it would have been yeah. a stupid coincidence. Yeah. Too, too convenient. If there wasn't something to tie it back. Yeah, they're they're not being lazy with the story right now. I appreciate that. We yeah, see you it. out there. <laughs> they doing work over here. Mm -hmm. And uh, then to get into it a little <laughs> bit more, they started training. Uh, and Stark kind of addressed Lord Orden by his name instead of father. Stark thought this was kind of cold, considering that his son work had died just like I think two months ago. So that goes into like makes me think like what did we think of lord orden as a father and or a leader i thought he was kind of like a, a dirt bag at first but they go into it you know um just like kind of fucked up like if your son dies in battle you throw a bang and funeral and you let people know that he was he was a brave warrior you know you don't hide that that's just weird true yeah i thought he was a i thought he was a, a complete um deadbeat type dude until he like explained himself that like i'm just trying to hold this kingdom together right quick so we can keep <laughs> fighting um and that he was going to like, kind of address it later once they got down the road and we also saw with his other son um that he moot that he was a good father to him although he didn't think too highly of his son he was supportive of him so i thought that was really great i thought i thought uh, lord orden ended up being a pretty good dude yeah um and i th i feel like that his reasoning would have made more sense if he only had one son, but the fact that he had two sons, like it didn't, that didn't really make as much sense to me. Uh, his reasoning, uh, just the people knows that you have a second son. So like, why not just like mourn your son and maybe make him a martyr or something. And, um, like a symbol of, you know, 
whatever you want to accomplish, I guess, and let your other son like have... a never forget type moment. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay. Uh, <laughs> come on, Dad. I wasn't even trying to do all that. Um, but yeah, I think it was the reason because like the eldest son was like that guy. Um, and like we can kind of see with like how, how he thinks about Moot, and I think everybody else knows like that Moot is really not. Not the guy, right? He's gonna be the 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 Lord one day or whatever. But I think Wirt was like their shining star. <laughs> you know what it kind of it kind of reminds me of Hunter Hunter, where you have like Killua, who's like the shining example of an assassin, and then you have his chunky brother, who's just some nerd who plays video games. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't want to hand the keys to the kingdom to this kid. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I think that's exactly what's going on here. Sometimes or the, or the, people or the, got it. Yeah, exactly. He just had the <laughs> juice, man. And uh, Moot needs to grow into himself. That's what I was saying. <laughs> Moot needs to leave his anime pillows and video games behind and learn how to take the keys to this kingdom. He's got a rule, bro. Get off Fortnite, my boy. <laughs> you can do yeah. <laughs> But uh, speaking of Moot... Um, Stark asking what he actually thinks about Mood because we see him training and stuff. And uh, do you think um, he asked him about Mood? Well, why do you think he asked him about him? And did his answer kind of surprise you? Uh, I, I definitely think he asked him about Mood because, like, because uh, Lord Orden like was saying, "Okay, this guy kind of sucks at swordplay and he's not really progressing." He was thinking he was going to be an asshole like Stark's dad was to him. Yeah. So he was kind of like trying to test him and see what he would say. And I think he was expecting a terrible answer and he got actually a really good one. Um, I, you know, it was pretty much he sucks, but I still try and I still love him and I support him. We're going to work this thing out. Um, so that was a good moment. And that was one of the other moments that made me turn around on Lord Orton. Yeah. He, yeah. I, was gonna say, I thought it was really interesting with him because he kind of said that like, not telling the village that work died was his son's like final wish. So yeah. I really want to know what the fuck was going through work's head. This whole thing. He must've really not liked his brother. <laughs> yeah, he was like, Don't Damn. even tell him I'm dead. Pops like we can't, this guy, you, you seen him out there. He ain't shit. Like, <laughs> I mean, the, the dude can crank nineties, but can he lead a village? <laughs> well, I his mean, flicks are incredible, sir. His father seems to think that someday he will be able to lead the village better than him, so or something like that. You killed me, Dan. Tell me some crank nineties. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, <as> hell. <laughs> I love how we went from this kid just sucking at sword play to being a nerd who plays Fortnite. <laughs> I mean, you never know, bro. All right, guys, We're the bullshit hour is Thursday. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, well, we're going to get on to the the most important scene of this episode, I feel like, or one of the most important scenes of this episode. Um, You could tell they actually, like, put a lot of time into it. Uh, We actually get to f- see Fern and Stark at the dance, the soiree. Uh, I don't know if I said that right. I'm not... French nah, you or did whatever it. the hell it Swore, is. Soiree is right. Yeah, you got yeah. it. Good, good job. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, what was y'all's thoughts on like the dance, like this whole like scene? They put a lot of money in that hoe. 
Yeah, yeah, it was well animated. I don't know. This episode kind of like the whole episode in general was just kind of like meh to me. So like okay. I was just kind of like this is like the only good part I've seen so far was the dancing. Yeah, okay. I mean, Lord Orton was like my favorite part of the whole. Uh, really, the whole episode. Like, yeah, I love a good father type of anime, man. <laughs> That's my guy. I just wish his name was a little easier to say because I keep wanting to say Lord Odin. I, I did. Like, at least I can't tell you how many times I typed that shit into this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, wait. But I have a question for you guys. Have you guys done any like swing dancing or ballroom dancing before? <laughs> no, no, I ain't done no. any kind of dancing before. What about you, Dan? I feel like dancing. Dan can swing a little bit. Uh, I've done a little ballroom, a little, you know, a little. Uh, I see, you. I see. You. you know, I had a friend in college who was like a professional dancer in New York City before going to college, so she showed me some moves. Okay, I was about to say you swinging girls around, but you was getting swung around. I feel oh, like no, I'll, I'll swing a girl around. It's just not very coordinated. Ah, I see, I see, I see. <laughs> you know, it, some fun facts about this uh, this scene. Uh, how much they actually wanted to uh, make it realistic. They actually got a dance school to help with uh, help them with this using like motion capturing and stuff to get this as close as possible, like the footwork and all that stuff as a real thing. Um, they also used like recordings of uh, the people that was in the orchestra to make sure the fingers and the movements, the body movements actually was as close as possible to the real thing too. They wanted to go all out on it. So I thought Bro, that was what? fun. Yeah, I, I thought that was extra. a really fun fact. So. <laughs> that is so extra. That's extra, dude. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like this was a very important scene. Uh, for me personally, like this was, it's probably one of my favorite scenes of the whole career. And so, um, but that's just me. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know they went that hard on it. I, I could tell they spent some money, but I didn't know exactly why or how. Yeah, okay. and that, that's okay. one of the reasons why I really like this show. They not only do they go hard on like the fights and stuff like that, they go hard on like the little moments like this, you know, that is supposed to mean a little something. They put money and time into that, too. So it's really crazy. So it is nuts. It is. Um, But then at the end of the episode, we actually learned that Orden is looking to have Stark as a replacement to Word. So basically, uh, fill in for the rest of his life, I guess. Um, Stark declines, obviously, and states that he has to go back to his master someday and apologize him for leaving in anger. So, Stark fucked up, man. A hundred percent, bro. You, you could have went hand- that with an envoy. What are you doing? You got handed the keys to the kingdom, brother. Literally, like, literally. This is yours. You see, I'm like giving you like fucking. That two years worth of food worth of money for like a night and like this could be yours every day brother and you're just like nah nah I gotta go be a brave warrior fuck that shit dude go live the easy life yeah and nah, he fucked up for real he's he's in the hero party though like he can be a hero he can have his statues everywhere bro he, dude, or he could be the freaking prince and one day lord <laughs> Dude, of, Hero uh, Party V2, not nearly as cool as Hero Party V1. Like, not even close. Not but, even close. But it's cooler than a, the lord of some no-name bullshit village. It so. has a name. <laughs> it's boring, dude. I mean, what do you mean the lord of boring? That? 
That's not that's not the whole world. Well, you you could be it's heroes. A, it's, a, it's enough for him. I guarantee you it's enough for Star. Yeah, yeah. not. What did Eisen, what, what did his master Eisen do after they became like the hero party? Like he went and like lived in some shack in the woods. He trained his apprentice, Stark. Bro, you could have an army. I don't need an apprentice. <laughs> a whole I, army, bro. I could I could be dressed to the nines every day, going to soirees, like I'm in. Yeah. Sorry for your in peace. Good I would have ducked out as soon as he said that. You know, you know why he left though? Because Fern wasn't staying with him. She could have came back. Tell Honey to come back. Yeah, what you talking about? <laughs> I would be interested to see if, like, we see, like, you know, how we started with like the end of the first hero party. I would be interested to see if, after the story of the Beyond Journey's end is over, like, if we see them like fifty years in the future. Because, like, if I was Stark, I'd be going back to this village after. At least, like, I have some distant family here, some clout too, some serious clout. Yeah, just be like, oh yeah, I'm work. Yeah, I was just on an adventure to save the world. No big deal, ladies, come here. <laughs> Pull up. <laughs> Hey yo, yeah. sorry, Fern. I got a whole village of honeys now. Bye. Damn. Okay. And this is why I don't write anime. Yep. Well, be a uh, banger, though. <laughs> I guess if we're done with uh, <laughs> I guess we could move on to Kenshin. I guess. It, let's do it. So we got Rurouni Kenshin episode twenty four, our finale for this season, titled Meiji Eleven, May fourteenth. So episode 24, what like we said, it was the season finale of Rurouni Kenshin remake. So we're done with the sword play for this season, but the writers and the studio still managed to make this very exciting for us. Or to me, at least. And well, we, know, we know what's coming. Oh, yeah. I know what's coming. But Tyler, did you think it was a good finale? I, I thought so. Um, I mean, I, I hated that. Um, I hated that it shows you know, Kenshin obviously parting ways with the Kamiya Kashin dojo and uh, Kairu and all of them. But mm -hmm. I mean, other than that, like, it seems like we might get some, like, maybe more enhanced fights next season is what it's going off of, possibly. I'm not sure. It's yeah. about to go crazy. The dominoes are set and ready to fall. Yeah, it's about to go crazy. Okay. They set up the next season really well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but this episode starts right where we left off on the last one uh, with the realization that Kenshin was being tested for a, an assassination mission. The assessment was that, in the end, was that Himura Kenshin was pretty much useless, but Himura Batosai did okay, fairly well, <laughs> I guess. Um, and then Kenshin punches himself in the face to go back to his Roroni self. I let out an audible laugh because I did not remember this. Uh, what about you guys? Like, I thought this was kind of silly. <laughs> I was just like, what the hell? What did he do that for? I was like, damn, okay. I feel like that's the way to do it, though. Like, Have you ever been like in a spot where you're like, I'm about to make a really dumb decision or something, and you kind of just like, I mean, metaphorically punch yourself in the head, like give yourself a little slap on the cheek, like, all right, not doing that. Yeah, what, what were you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> I guess, but like he just, I mean, he drew blood on himself. That was crazy. Yeah, he um, hit himself hard, bro. Yes, sir. Uh, but the next scene was uh, 
Okubo, the home minister slash leader of the Meiji government, uh, kind of talking to the Kenshin gang, and he wasted no time and let Kenshin know that Shishiro was plotting something big in Kyoto and that he needs his help taking him down. And we also learned right here that uh, Shishio is revealed to be Kenshin's successor as the Shadow Hitori, the Manslayer. So this um, was really cool. Go ahead, Dan. I'm just so excited for Shishio, dude. Yes, I'm just sir. so excited for Shishio. Yes, it's, it's, it's about <laughs> to get turned up to 12. Uh, but Tyler, last episode, you said you weren't sure... Um, what Okubo needed from Kenshin. So how far into this conversation did you start to put it together? I feel like I made the connections um, as soon as uh, they said the name and Kenshin confirmed that who it was or mm -hmm. whatever. Because when somebody starts off by saying just the name and then the other person realizes that the name is dangerous, then you automatically assume that especially if they're coming to talk about that name to a former killer, you, like I said, you automatically assume that the goal is to get rid of whoever that name is. So, yeah, somebody have to kill somebody. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that. And I mean, what better person to kill a manslayer than the previous manslayer? So, like, <laughs> B1. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they also revealed that they had once tried to kill Shishio and thought they did. Um, they kind of ganged him, killed him, covered his body in oil, and lit him on fire. But apparently they didn't bury him because he's walking around today. I thought that was nuts. Um, they missed a step there, huh? They did. They should have buried him <laughs> after they set him on fire. <laughs> yeah, Maybe like 10 feet deep. You know, 6 feet might not be enough for this guy. No, give him an extra foe. And, and then here's two box. more. Make it twelve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I thought Okubo made some good arguments about like why they needed him. Um, one being that like he could take over half of Japan with the army he had. Did he persuade you guys? Like at that point, would you have gone, or would you have heard more of what Team Kenshin had to say? No. You wouldn't have gone. It ain't none of my business, bro. That's, that's Damn, their problem. The whole country? That's their problem. Shit, they, they failed to do their job. They can handle their mistake. But, but they can't <laughs> handle their mistake. That's the whole that's point. That's why they come my problem. <laughs> well, so here's what I'm going to say to counter that is if Shishio was successful, the way of life that Kenshin has been observing and protecting people in is gone. So, like, to protect the Kamiakashin Dojo, he's kind of going to go do this thing, you know? That's like what a, I thought, but, sounds, I mean, Tyler over here is just saying, fuck him. Sounds like a Dylan problem, not a me problem. Damn, dude. <laughs> that does sound like a you problem. <laughs> That's a huge you problem. They're going to show up at Tyler's door for the draft, and he's just going to be gone to Canada well before then. <laughs> like, hey, my <laughs> issue. I ain't do none of this. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. my damn leg, bro. <laughs> yeah, and I also thought, like, some of the, the Team Kenshin, like, points were, like, pretty flimsy. Like, Kaoru was like, he, yeah, he no longer kills, so we're we just not going to do this. <laughs> Honey, the, the whole country's up. You know, it, it's, it's going down. And then you got Sano saying that Okubo is addicted to personal gain. 
did you guys think this was like possibly true? Did he seem like that kind of kind of guy to y'all? Yeah, I I can definitely get that vibe. <laughs> okay, bro, okay. Bro. Like, I mean, hey man, you're a politician. That's what you do. That's true. That's true. But, but at the same time, like destroying the way of life that they fought so hard as imperialists to gain. Like, I think I think he's got greater motives here than just becoming like you know the new emperor or whatever, right? When he he was already the number one spot though. That that's what that's what was weird to me. Um. But I thought Yahiko had the best reason. And he was saying that like they could turn on Kenshin just like they're turning on Shishio. So like what was stopping them from doing that when he finished the job? He didn't say that entirely, but he kind of hinted at that. And I thought that was like the best point that they made overall. I mean, good luck, bro. You see what Kenshin can do with the back of a blade. Imagine what he can do with the frontal one. Woo. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, they might have issues, but they also sent uh Jine. To, to go assassinate him so that tells you a lot about what they how smart they are <laughs> but after that whole scene with uh okubo trying to convince team kenshin mainly kenshin to to fight this fight uh we go back to saito and he ends up killing arundo and shibumi our bad politician and the other assassin he was quote-unquote working with and he pretty much called them trash individuals and said, you can own it, you know, and when uh, Shibumi says, I'll pay you, just go away. He says one of the hardest bars we've gotten so far in Kenshin. You can own a dog with food. You can own a man with money. But nobody can own the wolves of Mibu. Shit was guys. <laughs> that shit was guys. Uh, so from the time we met Saito to now, like Tyler, have you have your feelings about him changed? Like, what are your thoughts about him? I mean, I, I like that he's so strong-willed, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Like, he does, he just kind of does what he wants. And I guess you kind of need to be that way if you're like, I'm pretty sure they said A he was the... dog. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they also said that he's like the, isn't he like the leader of the uh, sword-bearing police or something too, right? Uh, I don't think he's the leader but I think he's like the like best. That. I think they said he's the best policeman. So okay. he is one of the three commanders of the Shinsengumi, which is the sword, basically like the sword bearing police of the previous regime. Okay. So he that dog. Yeah. The wolf. Right, he that wolf. He's that yeah. wolf. Yeah. 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 You, you ain't going to own him with no food. He says he's a wolf. Yeah, but, it was it was crazy. Like I, I thought it was really cool. Like he's just like there to like check everybody in the government. Say so no if they start fucking up too much, he's gonna he's gonna pull up in the middle of the night. <laughs> but like it's crazy to think that like you've got this guy who is this strong. Like, why can't he take down Shishio, you know? Like That's a good point, bro. That's a good point. Well, I feel like even he knows that he is no match for a true, you know, Batosa. You know what I mean? And he was just trying to figure out if Kenshin still had it in him to be a true Batosa. And that's kind of where he went. Like he said, uh, the Batosa part of him was all right. I think he said, um, not good, but not bad. Just all right. Uh, bad, decent. Bad, so. decent. You got to think, too, though, like back in the day, he was on pretty much level ground with like Kenshin. So I don't know. I think he's got some moves. Yeah. 
but you would also think he like he would he would like try to volunteer or something like that for the position if he think he could mess with Shishio. That's true. Yeah. Um. So next we skip to the day of the fourteenth of May, and that's the day that Okubo and Kenshin are set to meet. Kenshin will give his final decision. However, we have an assassination that takes place, and Okubo is killed by the comrades of Shishiro. And here we get a quick flashback to uh, Okubo's final conversation saying that he needs to develop Japan over the next 10 years. It's part of a 30-year process. So the country can come reborn and people can be exactly what they want to be and there's more freedom. So this is the economic development part and where people become more free over the next 10 years. And after this, we see Kenshin kind of just thinking to himself that the times are starting to flow again. And what what exactly did, do you guys think he meant by the times are flowing? Because time's always flowing. That line really, I don't know. Like, I can kind of think like, you know, like society is starting to progress kind of towards that greater world that the imperialists wanted where everyone could be equal. It's the only thing I can think of, you know? Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't too sure. Like my best crack at it was like, maybe he sees like things are in flux again and things can go one way or the other. Um, but that, that's the best that I had on that one. Yeah, think, that's true too. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of where I'm leaning that too. I think this is a very, uh, um, I guess teeter tottering like area right now where it could, like you say, go either way. And I think he realizes that with this death. Um, and Shishio on the loose apparently is really bad. Um, so very bad. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Shishiro's that guy. Um, and yeah. And Oku- Okubo, I mean, and everybody knows it. Like he's like the best leader that they have, like the most righteous person. And, um, the, the swordsman police guy even says like, they're just going to keep chipping away or his assistant says they're going to just keep, keep chipping at away at the Ameiji government until he could just come out in the open and fight them at on. So this is pretty important assassination. But yeah, we're at a we're at a flux right now. Heads or tails. <laughs> but uh so the final scene in this episode, uh Kenshin ends up saying goodbye to Kaoru. Kaoru and he's also realized deep down that like he's still a manslayer. He says he's still that crazy uh crazy guy deep down inside. I thought it was interesting. And Kenshin also doesn't want to rope everyone at the dojo into this dangerous mission. It was a very uh, heartfelt moment right there. But I didn't, I wasn't sure if Kenshin was completely 100% right in this moment. Like, what did you guys think about calling himself a manslayer and deciding to leave, leave everybody behind in this moment? Yeah, I mean, I definitely understand where he's coming from. We've seen it multiple times now where he goes into like Hitokiri mode. And gets those, gets them eyes, you know? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And Kaoru has luckily been able to help get him out of that mindset or that alter ego, I guess. But like, he's not sure if she's going to be able to do that in the future. And like you said, they don't, he doesn't want to rope them into this because once he snaps, he's, he's going to be badass. Yes. I'm going to love it. <laughs> oh, me too. I'm here for it. That's, that's, that's what we're here for, right? But yeah, I, I I don't I think it would have behooved him to like take maybe Sano along or something like that. Um, but leaving the whole gang, I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah, 
I think I think that he's kind of wrong for it. I mean, we all knew it was going to happen eventually that he was going to, you know, feel bad for always bringing, you know, his, you know, new friends, family, whatever you want to call them, into his situations or whatever. But thing is, is like, I feel like they could have a choice in it. Like, if they, if, if you ask them, what they want like what do they want like knowing all the all that's on the table what do they want him to do like he's making a choice for them you know what i mean i don't i don't think that's necessarily right like if they're willing to uh stick with him even though it's dangerous then that's their Mm -hmm. choice you know what i mean so yeah that's true i'm gonna play devil's advocate on that one um they've gotten a few of them have gotten kidnapped and caught and held ransom the first half of the series. And like, I think that could be a big hindrance to him in a way. Um, I think that was part of why I was thinking maybe just Sano, because he can kind of hold his own own up to a certain level, but maybe they're even beyond that at this point. Don't know. Somebody got to stay there to help, uh, help protect the uh, Kairu and them, you know, because it ain't going to have Kenton anymore, but people still going to come after him. Shit, you got well, Yahiko, and that's a dog right there. Well, I was going to say, the only reason they were getting roped up and all this shit is because Kenshin was there, so, like... That's true. I don't know. Yeah, I'm but even cool. after even after he leaves, like, there's still going to be rumors going around that this is where he was, you know? So... Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, And, guys, you know, just the... I hope you guys both caught it, but the post-credits scene, scenes with Shishiro, there was also some future dialogue in the background while we were uh while he got his little cameo on this got me so hyped i don't know about y'all but i'm i'm so ready for the the second half of this this re uh reanimated series it's gonna be guys big gas yes sir and anybody that's listening know and knows what's coming up i know you guys are excited too so drop some comments let me, let me know what you're excited for Shishio. so shishio okay <laughs> excited okay. for shishio he looks, Pretty much. he looks like a bad some gun, you know what I mean? Nah, he really does. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, really quickly here, thoughts on season one, some ratings? I, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, like, uh, being as I only watched a couple episodes of the OG stuff, um, thought it was really, really good. Uh, it feels like there was quite... I'm not sure if this is true, but looking back, it seems like I remember there being like a lot of reaction shots. Uh, Do y'all think that there was a lot of reaction shots in the remake? Yeah. 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 Kairu had a lot of reaction shots. Oh, they were having one episode. They they were hamming up the reaction shots. Like in between bodings, we got a lot of like a lot of panning, like reaction shots of faces and stuff like that, too. I, I don't know if I'm desensitized from One Piece, but I didn't think it was that <laughs> bad. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, compared to the show we're going to talk about in a little bit, yeah. it was great <laughs> in that sense. I'm but not I did, saying... I, they were definitely hamming it up the last maybe four or five episodes with the reaction shots. Yeah. Especially with Kairu just saying Kenshin. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was last I, episode when, when she said it like eight times in one episode. And maybe like ten minutes. It was nuts. I think that one is just sticking at the forefront of your mind because I don't remember it being that bad besides that one episode. Okay. Yeah, I think they were hamming it up a little bit in the last, last few episodes. 
Well, I'm not saying like the it, the show was bad and all oh, the reaction no, I mean, shots. I mean, bad, the reaction shots were bad, you know. But but I really wish instead of like the reaction shots that we got, I really wish that um they they would have used that time to like make them be moving around um while maybe listening to their thoughts in their head. You know, that would kind of help the flow, make the battles look a little bit better because the battles was badass. But then all of a sudden, like in the middle of the battles, you just got like the face shots uh, while they're like thinking to themselves, kind of. And, uh, you know, it, it does it quite a bit, I feel like. And um, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I feel like I don't want an inner monologue mid fight during this. Like, I don't want Deku thinking no, about it. Well, they do that, though. They they talk in their heads, though. Some or they talk. They talk out loud slash their heads a lot. But. When they're doing it, they stand still and it just shows their face usually like a reaction shot kind of oh, thing. Oh, I so see. So you're saying what you're while saying. they're talking and stuff like yeah. that, they're just having boxing instead. Yeah. Oh, shit. You know, Tyler asking for more boxing. That that's uh Shonen Boy Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's my only I think honestly, that's my only negative thing I have to say about uh Kenshin. And I'm not sure if they did this in the OG. They did um, it in the manga that way, I'm pretty okay. sure. So there this so like my thinking of this is I'm not gonna look through with the nostalgic glasses I want to. Um, because I mean Kenshin was one of my like favorite anime growing up. I mean, it was in the OG Toonami lineup, you know, like straight. Yes, sir. Back um, in the day. But no, I like how they made this more um of a faithful following to the manga. I thought that was really cool how they like they changed some of the scenes up that were changed originally to be more faithful. Um, I get what Tyler's saying 100%, but I mean, if I had to give this a rating, probably like mid to high sevens with taking nostalgia out of it, you know? Yeah. I agree with that. I, I was going to actually say the exact same thing, like a 7.7 7 or something like that. Um, standing, it could stand on its own two feet. I think they changed up enough to where it's like a separate piece of work than the original Ronnie Kenshin. They fixed the pacing. Yeah, the pacing is way <laughs> better. They're doing like two episodes per one. Uh, that more modern style of a little bit quicker pace, and I love that. Uh, I'm a grown man now. I ain't got no 300 episodes for you. I ain't got that in me. <laughs> um, but, you know, other than for one piece. I got, I, I but, got uh, 300 episodes be for plenty of shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was yeah mid to high seven. It was it was pretty dope. Okay, uh, same with me. Uh, I don't think I gave my ra- rating back then, but I, I would put it in the seven range as well. Nice. I just I'm hoping wanted... the second season is yeah. gonna have a lot more boxing and. Thank Less you. Reaction shots. There we go. I was so about to ask for the same thing. Yeah. That's my hopes. So. Yeah. We want more fights. So y'all are doing a good job. Just give me more. Yeah. Cool. Y'all ready for the next one? Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, episode 21, Metamorphosis. Toto gets to show off his battle prowess and imagination in a thrilling episode. Oh, and also the climax of the fight between Yuji and Mahito. And this episode starts off with Mahito saying that this will be the last time Yuji and himself curse, curse each other. Then Toto and Yuji give each other the it's time to jump again look. Um, and I really enjoyed like this opening scene because we got like the insane maniacal laugh from uh, um, Mahito. I, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly. And I love it. So 
I'm here for it. <laughs> oh, 100%. And like Mahito would like look deranged and it was just so much fun. <laughs> yeah, and uh I think also during this time is it's one of my favorite things of this episode was when um Mahito like splits himself apart or whatever and his head is rolling and I think this is when he's laughing actually and his little head starts it grows legs and arms and starts running away. Um and I and I instantly thought of Spirited Away. <laughs> Were you thinking of the dog like heads? Those are like, Let's that, go. Let's that go. might be that might be like your favorite anime character is those fucking heads. Man, this 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 sits right there with it. Like the way that like he just got up, he was having fun. It looked like a dog chasing his tail, honestly. And he was just <laughs> laughing like he was having fun. I love that shit, bro. Yo, plushy manufacturers, can we please get a Mahito head and arm and leg plushie for Tyler? That oh makes it makes the laugh too. Like you can push the you little arm or whatever. Just to to me Elmo. Oh my yeah. God. Tickle me Mahito. It's crazy. <laughs> that would give so many children nightmares, and I'm here for it. He would it curse might them. Give me nightmares. Jeez. I would laugh my ass off. Oh yeah. Um so then we get then we get deeper into Jujumpsu Kaisen. Um and after splitting himself, Mahito uses polymorphic soul isomer to make some powerful transfigured humans to kinda like take care of Toto to fight him. Um and apparently there were some black and white scenes mixed in. Uh did y'all notice them and did did they work for y'all? Me and myself, I didn't notice any black and white scenes. Oh really? Um, so, oh yeah. When he was using polymorphic soul isomer, um, they you know they got his like little gang signs going, Mahito's little gang signs going, <laughs> yeah. and I thought it was dope. I thought it was really dope actually. Um, okay. It stood out to me a lot because we don't get a lot of that in the show. I don't feel like. So Three, if you go ahead, if Mahito's using gang signs, is Naruto just giant gang wars? That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> is that not what we? Want, I mean, they, they're, they're all repping with their. With their headbands. Head You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I thought it was I thought it was a good little piece of animation. It was maybe just like three or four seconds of it, but it, it kind of showed like that he was transcending, you know, his, his current state and it was really cool. It makes you wonder if um they wanted to do black and white or if they just ran out of time and money to color the freaking scenes. <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> we did this on purpose, I swear. Exactly. Something like that. Yeah, I'm I'm kinda sad that I didn't actually get to I even like rewatched like the first uh I, I rewatched like some of it, skipped through it. Mm-hmm. And I still didn't see. I just still didn't notice the black and white uh, scene. Yeah. So it's like right before he makes those isomers for Toto. Okay, it's, it's dope. It's dope. I rewatched one scene of this episode multiple times, dude. I watched it like maybe fifteen to twenty times. Like no joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, and to get back into it, Toto was narrating this fight for us. Um, and basically breaking down. The distribution of power and the grades of the transfigured humans. Um, he wasn't really a hundred percent correct, but does Toto's current level, like intellect, throw you off sometimes? Like with what he says in the heat of the battle. 
No, I don't think it really throws me off. I mean, Toto is like the cream of the crop of the next generation of Jujutsu Sorcerers. So like, I can't like, it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, like he is that guy. True, true. He's a, he's a little uh, weird, but he's that guy. <laughs> he, yeah, like he definitely has a lot going on in his mind. But it, like, it, it surprises me. Like when I, like we haven't seen him in such a long time, and then he starts breaking down a fight like this so quickly on the fly. Like it, it definitely it throws me off because I'm like, this guy is a goof. But then I also forget that he's a, a fucking genius at the same time. Yeah, I mean, this is the guy who can handle a 2v1 and clap people into the fight perfectly. Like, you gotta, you gotta have incredible battle sense to do that. Yeah, I mean, because he's, he's doing it in a way to where it's advantageous. Because, I mean, it's easy to make people change places, but you could get somebody killed if you don't know exactly who and what you're going to change out and why. Yeah, especially if you're hand, like he does. Um, like, I guess it could be easier if you're doing, like, 1v1, but... When he works with Itadori, like imagine you you kind of have to be on the same page somewhat as Itadori, um, in order to like make that shit work. You know what I mean? So yeah, it, you have to know what the other people are thinking. Yeah. yeah. The best way I can like describe Toto is like he's smart, but he's dumb. If if that makes sense. He's got <laughs> battle sense. He's like Naruto. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, I guess uh, moving on to the fight against the Isomers, um, which Toto does by himself. And they were pretty much waiting in line instead of just, you know, this is Jujumpsu Kaisen. And they wasn't really jumping. Uh, they was just waiting. So so did, what did y'all think about that? Honestly, round of applause to the Isomers. Um, somebody's got some integrity in this show. And I did not, not expect it to be the transfigured humans. Yeah, I did not think Mahito's health spawn would have any respect for the game of the game of war, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they let them run the ones. It was awesome. Maybe like, they're I, just not smart enough, you know? Yeah, I mean, I was really surprised that they were just glass cannons, like all offense, no defense. Like that kind of threw me off. I figured that Mahito would be smarter to make the humans at least a little durable or the transfigured humans a little durable. Yeah, I, I think he was just like severely underestimating Toto, though. Um, I think he thought he was more of like a gimmick. And he also he, he had just met Toto. So uh, I don't know. Maybe he just didn't think he was really all that. I, I, th- I think you're right there. I think that he was I think that he thought that Toto was very dangerous with someone else like Itadori, which is the case, obviously. Um, but, you know, Maybe he thought that the clapping and shit wouldn't work well on a 1v1. That's why he's fighting 2v1, you know? So, um, I don't know, though. I mean, like, Mahito got Detroit Black smashed by all for one or one for (laughs) all for one for all, whatever the fuck it is, uh, Toto. So, like, you know, you did that. Usually, Black flashed him. No, well, he, he did too with the legs. With a kick. Oh, yeah. that is right. That is right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, you got to know he's got some moves. I mean, you, he wouldn't have been there if you didn't, you know? He would have been dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, then, Mahito's then also they, a little egotistical. That's yeah. true. And then again, you know, maybe Mahito was just trying to get get him out of the way for just a few minutes. That way he could 
try to maybe do something with Yuji. So you never know what Maido's thinking. He's literally running around like the damn dog things in Spirit of the Way. So like this man's crazy. I just love how you call like heads with no bodies bouncing around dogs. It was like literally <laughs> acting like dogs. They had to, like it, it's just the only thing that my mind can come up with for that scene. So. Look, Dan, Tyler loves his dogs a lot. <laughs> a lot I do too, but I don't compare my dogs to. Um, I would love to have. Heads. I would love to have a pet like that, bro. Can you imagine? That'd be terrifying. No, <laughs> you they want look a disfigured? So cool. You want a disfigured head as a pet? I mean, if they act like that, yeah, no. that's cool. First Next question. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't make me go on this rant. About, <laughs> last episode, you were talking about if you like somebody, you got to kill them. And now you're talking about floating heads? Well, No uh, way. This man's been <laughs> wilding. I've been watching too much JJK. Yeah, My been, dude, finally clearly, to me. Clearly. Dude, go touch some grass, bro. <laughs> Ooh, I, I, got, I probably got something in here somewhere. Okay. Oh, I see you. Bro got that pack. <laughs> but I guess I guess getting into the next thing, we we go to Maito's domain, and um, he did a point two second domain expansion because this was the only way to um, I guess kind of get get a hit on Toto um, with UG and the Gaylor so good. And do y'all understand how this worked? Considering he would, he said that he would have to touch Sukuna. So, and when he do- expanded his domain, I'm a little unclear on this myself because I think like the idea is like he's going to do it so quickly that Sukuna is not going to have time to react. What What was y'all's opinion? I, I'm just like not sure how he got past Sukuna. I so my theory here is that Sukuna just loves seeing Yuji in despair. <laughs> <laughs> he lives for this shit. Sukuna's like, yo, fuck with my boy Itadori here. <laughs> and if Mahito was able to kill Toto in this moment, I don't know what Ida, what would happen to our boy Itadori here. And I think Sukuna would just be sitting there with his fucking bowl of popcorn cracking up the entire time. Pointing and laughing at the TV. I mean, we even saw like <laughs> when when Mahito, I guess, like got to have a quick talk with Sukuna. Sukuna just like was like staring at him with like a small grin on his face. Like, I, like I really wonder what he was thinking in that moment. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. Think you know he's gonna get cooked. Like, I just think he was like slightly amused by all this. Yeah. Uh... I think I think he so they they kind of went into like the um he was able to combine his domain expansion and his technique activate activation into one. Uh, y'all remember seeing uh, yeah. him talk about that, and mm-hmm. apparently that's usually a two step process, but he just combined it into one step, which made it possible. With no, which was possible because he was in his awakened state. Which then made it possible to do the point two second domain. So um, that's how I think all that worked is basically what I got out of it. But so that allowed him to have his domain up for point two seconds, which gave him enough time to 
see Sukuna and talk shit to him. And then right before Sukuna had time to react to his shit talk and he was able to pull out. That's what I think happened. I mean, I'm thinking now, and it might be that Sukuna knows that Mahito is about to get his, uh, well, his, his ass wig kicked. pushed back. Yeah. Yeah. And he might be chuckling, going, bro, just wait till what my body does to you coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in here for a while, and this man's cooking right now. You might be in trouble. I just can't believe that Mahito, like, used that point second to talk shit to Sukuna. He's like, you know, I'm going to kill your boy Itadori before you have time to even switch places, bro, and you ain't going to be able to do shit about it. And then he's like, peace. I'm out of here. <laughs> I did think it was really interesting that Mahito is like, oh, I learned this from a certain somebody. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, Gojo. So I was like, that's oh. kind of, he's kind of learning on the fly right now. Yeah. I mean, he's a very young curse. Like, what is he, like four months old or something like that? I mean, when I you're working with. Few months old fake ghetto like that i mean you have to be top of the line right true true um but i guess uh while he was in there uh i think like i said maito was kind of shit talking and he asked did i pass this time and uh we all said sukuna was kind of staring at him with like a grin and do y'all have any thoughts on like what else he was thinking besides he knew that Itadori was just going to beat his ass or something. I think that was it. I think yeah. that was pretty much it. Or he was just like, yeah, slightly amused about what was going on. <laughs> well, then we get into uh, the after effects of the domain expansion and Toto has his hand cut off. That way he can't clap anymore. And um, then we get to see his, his logit falls. And we get to see what's inside of his locket. It's got two pictures. It's got, um, obviously, his best old friendo, Itadori, in one brother. side. Brother! <laughs> yeah, brother. Best old friendo. And then it's got, um, I think, Takeda-chan, right? She's an idol, I believe. Hell I, yeah. Hell so. yeah. Um, and then it goes crazy. Uh. Uh, I guess uh, Idol Song starts playing one of their songs, probably, and we enter Toto's imagination. <laughs> now, hold on. Let, let, let's call it the name of the song right quick. Hold on. <laughs> Takada Chen, Climax Jumping. Okay. It fits okay. what the hell was happening. That was so much fun, boys. I um, This was my favorite scene of the season. Like We had some really good fights, um, but this whenever I got to pause something, to like sit there and laugh for a couple of minutes. <laughs> like you win. Like this is this is as good as it's gonna get. Like they've peaked. Dude, I was in straight disbelief. <laughs> and I was like, nah, nah, what's going on here? And like I, I watched be. this. I watched this like five times. I was like, what the fuck? I had to too, don't worry. I, oh, I was confused man. if this if him and his idol uh girlfriend crush thing was like actually hitting these hits on Mahito or if this was I know it said imagination in top left corner, but still it looked like he, he was they was beating the shit out of Mahito. So nah, I was bro, this, confused. That was domain expansion 2.0 baby. It was <laughs> phenomenal. The 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 song's called Climax Jumping in it says Toto's imagination in it. I'm like, yes, this is what I want. That was that was Besto Friendo domain expansion. 
Yes. Dude, <laughs> I just love that they brought like the running gag from season one with him having to go watch her on TV every day. <laughs> full circle in this fight. Like, I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> I love this shit, bro. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I really like how they uh, ended the like imagination scene with uh, him and uh, Takeda like shaking hands, but in reality, he was actually like going to slap Mahito's uh, hand in order to clap uh, Itadori in. That was like brilliant, honestly. I thought. Yeah, no, it, it was. This was twelve out of ten for me. <laughs> Felt like I was watching some Sailor Moon shit, honestly. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but then we get into Maito's metamorphosis. Instant spirit body of distortion, distorted killing, uh, menacing new look, and power up. Uh, Yuji starts getting boxed up, then realizes he'll have to use a black flash to beat Maito. Something that no sorcerer has ever been able to do on command. Um, and I just want to ask, did y'all see Yuji's cut on his face? Uh yeah, I mean, bro couldn't even close his mouth anymore. Like, no, his shit was stinking. Dry <laughs> his mouth, boy. Dude, that was gnarly. Like, he had, like, the two-faced thing going on, like our boy Nanami did. Like, he was just missing half his freaking like, mouth. It was gross, man. It was gross. I had never seen anything like that in anime, where somebody's missing part of their, their cheek. I swear. I swear, for a minute there, I'm pretty sure, instead of... Itadori's voice actor, I'm pretty sure that they got Nanami's voice actor to do this voice line of him talking. Like it sounded so close. Really? I Did think you? it was I think it was Itadori's voice actor, but I think yeah. they just had him being fucking menacing. They like it sounded really close to me anyways. The, the whole speech, you know, he's you know talking with his like I don't know. Maybe they made him put a cotton ball in his jaw. Maybe. Could have been that. Um, but Toto goes to fake a switch uh while yelling, arms are just a de- just decorations. The act of applause is an acclamation of the soul. And uh do you do we think that the uh, Boogie Woogie is really actually dead? Nah. I pray to God it's not. Yeah. <laughs> nah, bro. Uh, yeah, he said his boogie woogie was already dead, and he seemed disappointed about it. But they they can't take my man out of the game like this. I feel yeah. like as long as he like claps his hand, one of his as long as he's got one hand to clap with, like it's okay, right? I so. hope so, man. I hope so. Uh, if not, Tozoto, uh, Toto deserves better. Maybe he'll get to go, you know, hang out with his girl now. Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Takeda San. Yeah. yeah. This is one of them, so. Oh, J-Law ain't dead, dude. <laughs> they don't have. They <laughs> no, we say the boogie woogie, not him. Takeda oh, ain't dead no, either. No, 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 he no, can no. go hang out with them instead of, you know, trying to do the boogie woogie with Itadori. Oh, sorry. I, I misunderstood what you were saying. I thought you were saying oh, okay. Toto was going to die and go hang out with J-Lon. I was like, bro, she ain't dead. <laughs> no. What are you talking about? No, just the boogie-woogie, my boy. It's just the boogie-woogie. I'm just calling Toto the boogie-woogie at this point. <laughs> um, and 
Yuji, we get into the next thing. Yuji pretty much tells Maito, no matter if he is reborn, changes his name, his appearance, it doesn't matter. He's going to kill him again and again, and that he no longer needs a meaning. Um, and then we get in. Go ahead. I was going to say, this shit was so cold. It was. Yeah, yeah bro. Bro snapped. Straight up. <laughs> Fuck yes. He's like, I'm I don't glad. care if I'm a cog in a, I mean, a cog in a wheel. I'm coming for you, dog. I don't even care <laughs> if it means anything anymore. You going to die. <laughs> Loved it. Killing my friends. Um, then we get into like a really interesting scene. Um, it switches to a winter forest and it shows Yuji as a black wolf and Mahito uh, with white bunnies um, all around him. I, I'm not sure if they ever show him as an actual bunny. Um, it shows him running with the bunnies. Do they? Not sure. Uh, did, do you do you, do y'all like the, what they try to do here? Do you think Yuji is uh, changed for like good or what? I absolutely ahead, loved this scene. Seeing Yuji become the hunter and like making him a wolf was so fucking badass. It was sick, yeah. Uh, and, and just just so you do know, Tyler, they they did turn Mahito into a bunny. I don't know if they turned okay. Yuji into a wolf, but yeah, yeah. I, I thought I it was a it cool on scene. Thursday, and I didn't get to this part uh, before we started recording on my rewatch, oh, okay. so I wasn't sure. It's all good, um, but yeah, no, I thought it was awesome. This was a really really cool scene. It just came out of nowhere too, right? But yeah, yeah just, really just showing did. Mahito as a, as a bunny and him like crying and like throwing dirt at <laughs> UG. puts a rock in one of the dirt clumps. It was it was phenomenal. This is the kind of death that I wanted to see Mahito die. This is what I'm talking about. Ten times over. Yeah, yeah. I mean they could have gone farther, but like this time restraints. <laughs> this is what he deserves though. So for sure, I, I really liked it too. Uh, it was it was a beautiful scene. Because he deserves it. Like, after killing all of Itadori's friends, and, or some of his friends, or senseis, all that good stuff. So, um, and our final moment of the episode is Maito getting punted to defeat a ghetto. And, um, that leads to, like, what do we think is going to happen next? Is Itadori going to have to take on fake ghetto now? I don't think so. I think ghetto succeeded in or fake ghetto whatever his name is succeeded in what he came here to do and that was to capture gojo so like i think we're gonna get some pretty witty remarks from fake ghetto here and then they're gonna pull out and we're gonna get some closure for the season yeah i, th- I think the the they accomplished their goals like dan said ghetto's got no reason to fight and maybe ghetto probably wants sukuna to get the rest of his fingers so like <laughs> true, 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 true. Maybe Utah pulls up, you know? That, that would be fucking sick. And then we just get left on like a huge cliffhanger. No, I think I think Shibuya is coming to a close. I, I don't think they're going to continue on and leave us like in the middle of a fight at the end of the season. I think we're going to get like a jumping point to the next arc and it's not going to continue, you know? Yeah, we just got two more episodes though, so it's uh, something else has to happen. Um, other than talking, I feel like so. Yeah, two episodes of closeout seems like a little much, but we'll have to see. I yeah. mean, not for, not for One Piece. <laughs> <laughs> um, two months isn't enough for One Piece. Jeez. 
<laughs> well, speaking of One Piece, you guys want to get to it? <laughs> yeah, sure. All right, so next we're going to talk about One Piece episode 1088, Luffy's Dream. Land of Wano is finally behind us, I hope, I guess not, with next week's filler episode. And the Straw Hat <laughs> crew is learning about what's been happening across the world. They're almost ready to spring into the action before cooler heads prevail. So the episode starts with the fine ladies of Amazon Lily thanking Rayleigh for saving them from the Navy siege in Blackbeard. Then we go back to see that Blackbeard had decided to kill Boa because she was too dangerous for him to fight. Luckily, the Dark King Rayleigh pulled up on the scene to broker a little peace treaty between this fight. If So Rayleigh during this says that he can't defeat Blackbeard in Blackbeard's current state. So why do you think Blackbeard listened to him and left? Because, you know. Yeah, he doesn't seem like the type to cooperate. Uh, the only reason I could think is like it was beneficial for him to do so because he needed his crewmates back. And maybe the only reason he I think the only reason he's going to kill Boa was because he didn't trust her to to petrify everybody and let him leave. So he's thinking, oh, she's not going to try no stupid shit with the Dark King Rayleigh here. Yeah, that's the only reason I could think because, yeah, he usually is, is not cooperative in any way. Yeah, and I mean, Blackbeard did not leave empty-handed either. So during this, Blackbeard kidnaps Kobe, the hero Kobe. Not the little shrimp we know from the beginning of One Piece. Big Kobe. The the man, the man Kobe. And that kind of like makes you wonder, like, what's his bigger plan here with kidnapping Kobe? Because that's going to piss off a certain somebody. Kobe's mentor, Garb, so like... That sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> Yo, what if he's trying to kill Garp? So I know Garp gonna probably pull up if they let him. If Akaino, whatever his name is, lets him. Who knows? I don't uh, think it matters if Akaino <laughs> lets him. Garp does what he wants, I believe. <laughs> well, you didn't save A, so I'm gonna sit on that one. <laughs> but yeah, so Kelby got kidnapped, and next we go to the revolutionary army commanders worrying about Sabo because as we learned, as we learned, Sabo killed King Cobra according to the news, and that's some pretty heavy shit. Like the revolutionary army isn't there to like kill kingdoms and like leaders; it's there to take down the celestial dragons. And Dragon says during this whole conversation that if Sabo killed King Cobra, that he won't forgive him. And did you guys have any thoughts as to why Dragon would really care that much about King Cobra? I mean, um, it, it hurts. It, it hurts their reputation if this is true, you know what I mean? Because then instead of killing or instead of trying to take down like the, uh, you know, the dragons or whatever, like they're doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing, I guess. Um, killing leaders and all that stuff. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, what did you gonna say, Bass? Uh, I was just thinking, like you know, Dragon said like he wouldn't forgive him no matter what, and that's what really threw me off. Like it's like okay, like under any conditions, like he wasn't allowed to do that, and I'm not sure why. I don't, you know, it could tar- tarnish their reputation. They could be going against orders, but like, you know, that that's your number one guy. Like you, you wouldn't even listen to why he did it. I thought it was a little odd. So I'm not sure. 
Yeah, I think there's a deeper personal connection here between Dragon and Cobra. I think it goes deeper than just him being a king of an island, you know? True. And he's also a, a good ruler, so that, that could cause some issues there, too. Definitely. So after that, we get to see Kuma. And this is like kind of the first time we've seen Kuma in a while. And he's kind of acting a little odd, you know? He like just seems like a whole different person. And it makes you really wonder, like, what did the Celestial Dragons or the government do to him to put him in this state, you know? Yeah, I mean, because he was like, he like bowed his head. The dragon was like, as you wish. You know, kind of like he was still like affected by like how they were treating him up in the Holy Land or whatever. Uh, it was a little sad to see because, you know, Akuma, we know he stands up with a straight back uh, with his chest out. So I, I, I didn't like, yeah. And I didn't like seeing him <laughs> like that. Shit was a little fucked up. Yeah, and like the way the way I'm thinking about it is that as we know, Kuma has been heavily altered by the government. I mean, homie shoots fucking laser beams out of his mouth now and shit. Like all the pacifistas are based on him. And it just makes you wonder if they took that to the next level, you know? I was I thought I thought they just did that to the pacifists. I didn't I didn't think they altered Kuma himself. I thought they based the pacifistas off of him. Oh, okay. I thought he was also altered during all that. I didn't think so oh okay then maybe they just broke him by making him a slave again yeah he seemed pretty messed up i didn't like that yeah i mean uh i mean to to go off that though like who wouldn't who would be normal after kind of going to the like being the pet i guess of the dragons right yeah i mean we saw like he had a bunch of like Knives and swords in his back, getting ready, ridden around. Yeah. That was crazy, man. That was like one of the harder things to see in in One Piece. Like, I mean that that that'll break you, you know. Even someone that stands really tall, um, on it, obviously, especially if you have to deal with it for so so long, with no like hope of you know peace or whatever, or, uh, uh, release or I don't, I'm not sure how to put it. So yeah, definitely. So after this, we go back to the Straw Hats on the Sunny, and the Straw Hats are really distraught after learning about Cobra and Vivi. Like, Luffy can't believe that Sabo would do that. Says there's, like, no way he would do that. That's not how his brother is. And they're, like, gung-ho. Luffy's gung-ho. He's ready to go to Marie Joie and fuck shit up. <laughs> and thankfully, Zoro, number two, Mr. Second-in-Command here, kind of keeps a level head and reminds Luffy of what he said about Ace and that Ace has his own adventures and that he needs to focus on his goal and let other people, you know, do their thing. And I like that from Zoro a lot in this scene. Yeah, I mean, him being the level-headed person, uh, I'm, I'm glad that we're back to that, like, dynamic that we, like, so used to seeing. Luffy wanting to go head first into trouble and Zoro being like, hold on, guys, like, let's just take a minute and calm down. Uh, he we we're getting to see him be a good second in command again, good first mate. Yeah, and I I think that this was the right call by Zoro, honestly, because like yeah, sure, Luffy wants to head into action. He wants to you know kick ass and ask questions later, but um, there that would like go into the Holy Lands or whatever, just off of a piece of paper would literally be putting all of their lives in danger and like. 
um, of their oh. whole fleet or whatever too. Um, not just hearsay. him. Yeah. Um, and that that's just that's just bad to do. Like Zoro is basically saying, you know, when we find out more information, when we find out facts, then that's when we strike. But until we find out facts, it makes it like it just it we're just wasting time um, and energy uh, going after something that may not be there. So I Definitely. love that. Yeah, definitely. It's good to see Zoro being level-headed, and it's especially good to see Zoro chirping Sanji about being number four. Yes, <laughs> it was great. I love how he just got that. Even though he was call- getting called Green Mom and uh, the Green <laughs> Kaido or whatever else they called him out of his name, he just smiles and looks at you know, it's it's tough being above you, Sanji. <laughs> it's a tough line, bro. I, I'm so glad that Oda was like Jinbei number three now. Because it's just added such a fun dynamic to their relationship again. Oh, it really does, man. Because <laughs> before that, didn't Sanji have the number two bounty? I don't know if Sanji's ever had the number two. I thought Sanji had the number two bounty after the whole Vin Smoke, like, whole cake island thing, right? I think so. Zoro was kind of yeah. chilling, you know? He was just in Wano, and he didn't have any action, so, like... Yeah, I, I think I think Sanji was, like... Uh, I think it was like they made it like one barrier or something stupid like that. Yeah, it was. It was like a thousand. Yeah, it was a minuscule amount, but it was enough. Yeah, I I think I do remember that. Well, all is all is in order right now. It's all back to normal. Yeah, the monster trio's got Jimbei in it now. All is good. All is good. (laughs) (laughs) Magic getting subbed out. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Hey man, it's the first son of the sea. That's true to former warlord, like former pirate of one of the most notorious fishmen pirate groups ever exist. Like, yeah, eh. he's he's been pirating longer than these people have been alive. Yeah, man. <laughs> so going back to the episode, uh, we learn a lot has happened in Wano or since leaving Wano or during Wano, I guess. And was there one that really stood out to you guys? I mean, we had Sabo killing King Cobra and apparently kidnapping Vivi. Uh, the cross guild, the abolishment of the seven warlords, and the creation of the seraphim, the cracked out little oh yeah demon freaking pacifistas. Like a lot's happened, man. Yeah, it has. Uh, I think the most interesting to me uh, so far is like Sabo, quote unquote, killing King Cobra, and the whole kidnapping situation. I really, really wonder what that's really about. Yeah, that, that's a very interesting one. But um, the thing that worries me the most is the seraphims, um, because those little things are—they look like killing machines. Uh, and they are literally killing machines. I mean, they—they're they're based off of, uh, I guess, Kuma, right? Is what we we've said. Well, no, the seraphims are based on the seven warlords. That's why oh. we saw a little Mihawk and a little Boa. Okay. So they basically replaced the warlords with smaller, faster, stronger versions of them. Yeah. Made Luminarian versions of these warlords. Yeah. They can press Blackbeard for some reason. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Which is wild. Yeah, man. So wild. Um, I think for me, I think the Cross Guild is the coolest development, though. Not just because one buggy is uh, the the headpiece of it all, 
But I mean, you have three of the quote unquote strongest pirates coming together and forming a union essentially with this organization. But it's not that. It's the fact that they're putting bounties on Marines and basically flipping the table on how the world has been run for who knows how long. Yeah, I think that one's going to have the biggest impact for sure. Um, yeah, because that's a game changer. Yeah, I mean, you have pirates turning into bounty hunters at this point, like mm-hmm. going after Marines and like they're not giving away like it's not like, oh, here's a fucking cookie. If you catch this, you know, commander of the Marines, it's like substantial amounts of money. So like, yeah. I think that's going to flip this world upside down. And hell, Blackbeard's got Kobe right now. Mm. Yeah. Get that cash, my boy. But I think for the overall world building and story, though, I think I'm going to have to agree with Bass, though, that the whole King Cobra thing is going to have immense ramifications. And I'm not going to spoil anything because they go into the manga already. But All right. (laughs) All right. Appreciate you. (laughs) It's so hard to talk about this show, dude. (laughs) Especially with some of these like major things like that's going on right now. Uh so yeah. especially the King Cobra and stuff. So Yeah, I mean they're setting up like the next year's worth of manga in like four episodes. So like oh, we got geez. a lot going on. Okay, okay. And then after that, you know, we get into a flashback of Ace, Luffy, and Sabo as kids again. And I really like the way they did this. Instead of just showing a flashback and like reusing the scenes, they like they made it like film grainy and like made it really feel like a flashback. Did you guys like that? Uh, I'm indifferent. Uh, I, I don't have any feelings uh, uh, negative or positive, I don't think, about okay. it. So. I I like it better than like the whole um Huey thing that they were doing like the cloudy edges of the screen and stuff like that. I I like the film grain instead of that. Okay. Cuz it still keeps it pretty clean instead of the you're looking at, like through a cloud. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And then the episode ends with Luffy telling his crew what he wants at the end of his dream. And for a good reason, we did not hear this. But everyone's reaction was just laughing. And Usopp is like, bro, that's impossible. Like, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> so do you guys have any thoughts on what Luffy's dream could be to, like, end the, uh, end, the, end the episode? I mean, even when this manga panel dropped, I, I sat there forever trying to think of, like, the possibilities of what it could have been that he told them that made everyone laugh. And he even goes so far to say... He's only told three people, Shanks, I think Ace and Sabo about it, I believe. And mm-hmm. that um they all laughed at him too. Uh so everybody thinks it's funny. Um and this is about what he's gonna do at the end of his, I guess, journey, I guess, right? Yeah. So, um So I'm not I, sure, I just, like I'm yeah, I'm not sure either. Like what could be so ridiculous that people either just laugh or say it's impossible? So I think I've got an idea. So what okay. have we seen Luffy do after every time he liberates a country? Have a feast. A, a, a feast. Yeah. A banging party. Yeah. And at the end of Luffy's dream, everyone will be free and they're going to have the biggest fucking party known to man. That'd be awesome. That is, that is Luffy in a nutshell. He wants a party, like, he wants a party with everybody? Yeah. But Hell I mean... Yeah. Eat meat with the planet. I can see that, but then again, uh, then again, like Usopp's like response doesn't make sense for that. You now, know? see, yeah, because I I thought I had 
thought like the same thing. Like, why would Usopp just be like, nah, you can't do that. That's impossible. Yeah. So to do this, you have to take down the world government. And I think Usopp is saying that's impossible. Okay. Like the uh, implications of how to do it, I guess, is kind of impossible, maybe. If, so. if Usopp is still saying shit like that's impossible, he needs to get up off the ship. <laughs> it's, especially it's, since, I, go ahead. No, I was, yeah, go for it. I was going to say, especially since Luffy literally just got talked down from going to Mary Joie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only thing, other thing I can really think of is that, so Luffy's definition of free is being a pirate. So maybe he wants everybody to be a pirate. But that's yeah. impossible. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. Like, I, I was thinking maybe, like, what would make him, like, the freest person in the whole world? I, or make everybody as like, free as, as they could be. But I don't really know what that exactly, what that looks like. A banging party. Yeah, I mean, I thought something like maybe uh, get, get rid of the government, but, you know, make it like a free world like that, which is kind of going off of what Dan's saying, essentially. Um, but yeah, I just don't I know don't what would know. make Usopp react like that. You know, yeah, I, I don't know. Anything will make Usopp react like that. You can tell <laughs> Usopp we're going to an island. He's like, oh, we can't do that. That's terrifying. <laughs> Damn, yeah. Usopp. I love how they did this scene, though. Just uh, we, we thought we was going to get to hear something. And then uh, it just cuts away to the like the figurehead. <laughs> and then uh, we, we come back and everybody's just laughing. I'm just like, OK. Okay. Yeah, I was like, did I miss it? What happened? Yeah, <laughs> I feel you. Bass is just rewinding like four times. Like, what I was about to. I was about to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, awesome, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed this week's weekly rundown. We'll be back on Thursday with a very degenerate Christmas episode. Uh, we're going to be watching Tokyo Godfathers, which is an anime Christmas movie. So if you want to get a jump on it, check it out. Uh, like Bass at the beginning of the podcast, make sure to rate the podcast on whatever platform you listen to us on. We greatly appreciate it. And jump in the Discord, talk to us, linktree.com slash anime degens. All right, guys, have a great night, day, morning, whatever you listen to us. Peace. Bye. Later.